0: Welcome, everybody, to the Cone Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work. Guys, I got a great one today. I am here with my friend, Dr. Andrea Erickson. Uh, Andrea is a boarded veterinary cardiologist in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, she is, uh, man, she's a wealth of information. I am super happy to have her here to talk to her about a case. I have a little bitty, itty bitty. Uh, Pepita is an 11-year-old chihuahua who's got a grade four heart murmur and to report she's having a bit of a cough. Well, uh, you're... You're not going to believe this. This 11 year old Chihuahua has got some dental disease and uh, and is really going to need a dental trophy here. And I'm having some concerns about putting this pet under anesthesia. I'm wondering uh, how safe is this? How do I need to work this up? Is it time for some medical management for Pepita beyond what she's been getting? Uh, Dr. Erickson walks me through everything. So guys, this is a quick action-packed pearl-packed little episode uh, that, let's be honest, you're going to see this case, and uh, you're going to want to know what to do. So anyway, we get into that. We talk about uh, a new drug called uh, Cardalis, which you may or may not be familiar with. Uh, But anyway, it's it's great. We're going to learn a lot. Let's get into it. Gang, this episode is brought to you ad-free by Siva Animal Health. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help your veterinary career.
1: Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke.
0: Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Andrea Erickson. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm oh, very excited to be it's here. It's
0: my pleasure. You are uh, you. For those who don't know, you are a boarded veterinary cardiologist. You are right up the road from me. You are uh, you're in Charlotte. You and your husband own Skyline Vet Specialists, where he's an internal medicine specialist, and you are a cardiologist. And then you guys also have an emergency practice. Is that separate or is that together?
1: It's together with it, us. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. I know. I know. That's amazing. <laughs> All right.
0: Wonderful. Well, I am so glad that you're here. I have a case that I want to work up with you. Is that okay?
1: I love it. It's good, my good, favorite. good. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I have an eleven-year-old female spayed Chihuahua named Pepita, and Pepita yeah. has—I—I've I've had Pepita for a while. Um, she has got a heart murmur. It's grade four. I can hear it on both sides of her chest. It's—it's it's pretty significant. You know, if I uh—I can—I—I I, I, when I hold her in my hand, I can. I can't tell if I'm imagining that I can feel it, or or if it's really it's got, she she is that her natural tremble is that anyway so it's so it's about that it's not a tiny little murmur but she's always seemed to be spry let's be honest her feet never touch the ground mom doesn't put right. her down uh she, as gets, it should she gets, be. exactly <laughs> right as it should be she gets she gets carried around she's coming she's coming due for a dental cleaning we're we're going to need to make that happen and she's eleven. And mom has mentioned to me that she's doing a bit of coughing at home. Now, I'm not hearing coughing on the exam, but, um, but mom says that she coughs at home sometimes. And so, what I'm coming to you with is, is this, is, um, First of all, uh, this this she's not being medicated right now in any significant way for her heart condition. When do how do I look into that? I guess that's the question. Coming up on a dental, are you terrified of this? Are you saying don't do this dental, Andy? Or are you saying I, why don't you send this to me and I'll do this dental? Like help help me start to help me start to look at her holistically. Of what does medical management look like? What does risk assessment look like? Uh, is is anesthesia even possible? Uh, how concerned should I be? So let me just hand it to you like that and sort of say, uh, Dr. Andrea, Andrea Erickson, how do you treat that?
1: Yeah, so I would say the most practical approach would be is that we've got a, you know, like you said, we've got a little Chi that is living her normal life, doing her normal things at home. Um, probably, you know, the owners at this point are unaware of the fact that, you know, there are things that we can look for at home that going forward we can look for in addition to a progressive cough or a change in cough. That being said, if the pizza is going to be anesthetized in the relatively near future, just because that's what needs to have happen because she's not eating as well or she's she's definitely feeling the effects of having pretty significant periodontal disease then it's definitely not not a no-go for her to have anesthesia. It's truly, you know, on your physical exam too, everything that you're going to look at anyways um, is that you're going to be looking to see, does she still have a sinus arrhythmia? Now, that being said, our chihuahuas can definitely have a heart rate of, you know, 160 beats per minute just because, you know, they're there in the hospital in your hands and not at home but one of the things that we do tend to look for is that as a as a dog kind of progresses into more significant heart disease their heart rates tend to actually increase just because it is a natural tendency of the heart to try to compensate to increase cardiac output but the the things that you can do and that would be that would be strongly advised for this particular patient one first and foremost in your hospital would be to do thoracic radiographs. And so making sure that we're getting a vertebral heart size that for that particular patient seems reasonable. So that number generally is around 10 for a vertebral heart size. It does vary a little bit between having a barrel-chested dog versus a little skinny thin-chested dog, Um, but in general, like somewhere around 10 is about right. then if we're seeing something, you're getting a vertebral heart size that is basically 12 to 13, you actually, at that point, doesn't mean you can't anesthetize them. It just means that patient does need to go on to cardiac medications. And so we're thinking, you know, at that point, especially if we interview the the owner and the owner is saying, no, I don't really see any sort of exercise intolerance or restlessness at night um if they were savvy and like looked up maybe you know m- what i should be looking for in my pet that has some you know maybe has a heart murmur if they knew then they might look up sleeping respiratory rate it might come across somewhere in their google search and so if they were savvy enough to say hey you no know, i've done this and it's consistently be- below 30 breaths per minute then you thankfully, have another piece of information. But many owners don't know that they need to do that yet until you tell them to do that. Um, but say if that vertebral heart size is 9.7, then that murmur and due to that leaky valve, is not causing any sort of cardiac decompensation at that point. And so those are patients where... You could feel pretty certain that if you use basically your protocol that you would normally use for an 11 year old dog, mm-hmm. so you're not going to wallop them with a bunch of medications that are going to change their your pressures and their heart rate rapidly. You're using things like your, you know, uh, midazolam and torb for your pre med, and you're using something like propofol or faxalone for your induction. And putting them on a reg- relatively normal rate of isoflurane with your normal like five mils per per hour type of fluid rate, you're going to be good. All right. Well, let me. So let me
0: let me say this back okay. to you. So it's funny. Yeah. I'm 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 am sort of a, I'm sort of surprised. I think how much weight you put on the vertebral heart size. You know, like that seems that that's a pretty significant okay. line for you uh, to to go to. It sounds like. Can, so yeah. first of all, let me just say. Um, Real quick, can you give me a refresher on vertebral heart size, just for people who uh, who are not familiar, who haven't who haven't been in that position Absolutely. to use it before?
1: Absolutely. So it is basically a, a sum. So you, on your right lateral thoracic radiograph, you're basically going to take a, you can take, this, you can just use a piece of paper too, where you're going to take a line and make a line and measure this line from the carina down to the apex of the left ventricle. And then you're going to do a perpendicular line from the cranial edge of the cardiac silhouette to the caudal edge of the cardiac silhouette, just underneath the caudal vena cava, because you do want to be measuring the ventricles, like you don't really want to get the atria up in there. So you're going to take those lines and you're going to superimpose them over the thoracic vertebra, and you're going to start that line, the very beginning of that line, at the cranial edge of thoracic vertebra number four. And so you'll put that line and then the second line, which is that perpendicular line, same thing, start at the edge and start measuring from thoracic vertebra number four, cranial edge, and you're going to count how many vertebral bodies are in each line, basically, and you add that up. And so that's where you're going to get that. It's one of those things that I have, um, I have plenty of slides showing that. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I can shoot them an email super quick and easy. Um, but there's plenty of resources out there, too, that show you kind of that, that way of of doing it. But that's what, and it's just a, it's one of those things that, um, yes, I get referred these cases all the time for me to echo, and it gives me additional information about that patient for sure. It gives me much more specific information, but when we're talking about you having to see 60 patients in a day and you have 15 minutes to talk to an owner and say, hey, I've got to figure out if I can take out these teeth, you know, because because they're really bad, <laughs> um, we that would be the thing that could that family veterinarian could do within their hospital to get basically some really good information about that patient. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Talk talk to me a little bit about what you're looking for with the sleeping respiratory rate. So I, I love the idea of getting the pet owner involved in this so they can look at it. Um, are are you looking for are you looking for trends here or are there are there certain you know, you mentioned thirty breaths per minute. Is it is there some sort of number that starts to give you pause? walk, walk me through how do you use that tool.
1: Yeah. So I would say that getting them involved is key. Like that's it is the we are a Basically, I talk to my owners about having a triangle of care, which is myself, them being most important with their pet and then with their family veterinarian. So that way we can all have a good conversation about what's going on with a PETA at home. And so um, one of the things I'm talking to them about is, hey, what we have known about this over the past 10 years is that if we are able to, whether you do it on an app, so there's a number of apps like Cardalis has an app, but you basically can track what their sleeping respiratory rate is. So I talked to them about, hey, if you can get them while they're completely like passed out of sleep, just absolutely snoring and, you know, sawing logs, then you're going to watch a rise and fall of their chest. And that's one breath. They should be while they're sleeping a good, you know, good, nobody having any issues with their heart or anything. They're going to have a sleeping respiratory rate that's less than 30 breaths per minute. Now, some dogs <laughs> you just can't catch them while they're asleep. They yeah, know you're they, they, they crack one they're eye like, open. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. You're a creep. Gotcha. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're like, mm-hmm, "You're a creep." And so we allow those guys to get up to 40 breaths per minute because they're going to change a little bit and fluctuate because they're, you know, kind of creeped out by you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm that's where I'm looking for. Trends are amazing. So if I have an owner that can give me at least data points of like three to four per week, that's like music to my ears. Um, But it is something I tell my owners that when I call you, I'm going to bug you and I'm going to ask you what this number is and it's going to be annoying so just, if you do it, it will be less annoying.
0: <laughs> I, 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 bet they, I bet they love it. I mean, I bet they love it. It's, it's something that they can actually yeah, do and feel involved. like they're involved. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think uh, I think a lot of times the hardest part with disease, whether it's uh, you or whether it's your pet, is, is a feeling of powerlessness. And so just the ability to be like, yep, I am taking action here. I, I think that that's such a healthy, a healthy, good thing. So I love this. I'm on board with the vertebral heart score. I'm with the the resting breathing rates. So I've got Pepita here, and let's let's say that she's trending a little bit high. So so her uh, vertebral heart size is, is a little bit greater than ten, maybe up ten, ten and a half. Maybe I'm like I don't know. We're kind of on the on the far side of this. How, how do you start to manage? Uh, how do you start to manage that case?
1: So I would say you know ten and a half might be a little. We would be still within a normal range, but if we bump that up a little bit, say like eleven point three or something. And and on addition to that, you're starting to see maybe that little hump of a left atrium that's up next to your main stem bronchus and you're like, Yeah, that looks a little bit big. Then those guys I typically will say, Hey, we need to put your pet on vet medicine. on. <laughs> Not putting them on. No, we're just we're gonna, gonna we're gonna lay um, gonna make them lay down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <We'll> put <laughs> we, a box underneath them. We're gonna start, put you on the box. I wish it worked that way. What we do know about patients that have mitral valve regurgitation at, due to chronic degenerative valvular disease and their hearts are getting big, we know that they're going to live longer and stay within that pretty much asymptomatic period much longer if we get them started on Pimobendin, BetMedin. And so those patients, I typically will start anywhere from a quarter to a 0.3 mg per kg twice a day. Um, vet med and dose. It is, it's well tolerated. There are some patients that may have some GI side effects. So I usually tell them, Hey, if you see something like that, just try to give it with some food, even though, even though the package insert will say give 30 minutes before food. It's like we have to make sure that the patient can tolerate it. And so a lot of them do get it with a little bit of food. Um, and those are ones where if I have a family vet, that's like, oh, Andrea, I need to do that procedure today, then that's fine. They can actually have a dose even 30 minutes before they have their procedure because it does work fast. We use it as an emergency drug. So it does have an effect. If you can wait, maybe having them on it for about a week or so, so that way you actually have that additional support for, for that cardiac. Basically, what we're looking for is increasing the efficiency and decreasing the workload on the heart So if we can have it on board before we do the procedure, that's even better. And so some of these guys will get it and they'll get it about a week before or longer before they go, but then they stay on it afterwards. So I usually make that clear. We're not just using it for the procedure. We're using it for a long term. You're going to, this is going to be something unless something comes up where the animal doesn't tolerate it. We're going to be on this for the rest of Pepita's life. And hopefully it's a long life for our little Pepita. No, I like
0: it. So great. So you uh, you open up with uh, with Pema and sort of get them get them on and start. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a miracle drug <laughs> in my yeah. in my experience. It is
1: yes, yeah. no, it changes things for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, great.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, so so start to Talk to me a little bit about about stages and degrees with this case. So I've got Pepita and and eleven year old Chihuahua. I've probably got a long way to go. We're going to start out start out with manage, management in this in this regard. You know, she she mentioned she's got a a cough at home, things like that. Are you are you are you thinking about a, a diuretic of some sort? Are you not? Is are there are there triggers that are going to send you into action in that regard? H- help help me walk in that direction if you don't mind.
1: The time where we'll definitely say okay, we're going to need to start a diuretic is when we you know whether it's like somebody who feels very very comfortable with thoracic radiographs and say oh yeah I actually do see typically on a radiograph what we would see is venous distension so you have your art like on the lateral radiograph you have an artery a bronchus and a vein and those guys you can see pretty clearly in that cranial thorax if you do a left lateral what's nice is that vein will pop out a lot easier so if you do A right lateral. Uh, I typically do DV, so I don't have to put them on their back. And then I'll also do a left lateral. The left lateral just kind of shows up that vasculature to that cranial thorax just a little bit better. Um, So you can kind of compare that vein to that artery. And so um having the, having a vein that's plumper bigger than that artery that concomitant artery is an indicator that we've got some kind of you know that heart's having a harder time handling its preload or basically the volume that it feels that's coming into it. Then you're going to be obviously looking for any sort of pulmonary pattern that's kind of more of a interstitial alveolar pattern. And that pattern typically in our dogs that have mitral valve regurgitation due to the gender valvular disease, it usually will start in the right caudal thorax. And so If you have that DV or VD and you look in that right caudal thorax, that's usually where they start to dump the fluid. And so I typically tell my family that, hey, if you can get that view, it's extremely helpful for us to be able to tell if there's edema there or not. Those patients, if we do see that and we're worried about that, and even if they come in and maybe the owners haven't really, they've maybe noticed a cough, but you listen and you're watching the dog breathe while you're talking to the owners, and you're like, Oh, he's kind of using his belly to breathe a little bit too. In addition to those clinical signs, and owners say, Oh, yeah, I have kind of noticed that anything from, yeah, when Pepita tries to run up the stairs, we kind of have to stop and breathe kind of heavy. And I just thought, you know, Pepita's getting older. We just, you know, we know that. And it's like, Well, it's not just getting older. It's, Unfortunately, we need to start some more. Um, So that's when I will definitely say, hey, we've got a constellation of clinical signs and radiographic features that do support a diagnosis of congestive heart failure. So that takes you into from stage B2, which Pepita would have been at before, where she just needed Vet medicine, to stage C which is basically congestive heart failure and it may be early stage C like we've got a little bit of clinical signs going on it's not an animal that's you know rushing into the ER but we're starting to see see those features of edema as well as clinical signs at home so those patients are going to be We're going to start them on a on furosemide, typically. So Lasix, Um, a little Chihuahua that is 4.5 kilograms, um, and is showing us those types of kind of more subtle signs of edema. But we're like we're convinced this is edema. That little one is going to probably get somewhere around 6.25 milligrams twice a day of Lasix. You know, if you might think some, you know, if they're a little bit more clinical and you're listening and you're, the lungs don't look great, you may start with a little bit higher dose. You might go you know, one full 12.5 milligram tablet twice a day for a little bit and then back down to a half a tablet. If we're starting that, then you do need to start something that inhibits the activation of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. What we do know now from recent studies, and this came out a couple of years ago, is that dogs will live longer in addition right. to having the ferrosamide on board and the vetmedin on board is also inhibiting the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. That's best done with both an ACE inhibitor and we also a mineral mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist too. So that would be your spironolactone. So I usually will say, hey, sure. I know it's a lot of drugs, but your dog's gonna live longer if we get them onto the a lot of drugs. So there's a number of ways of doing that, whether it's separating them all out, where you have Vet vetmedin, spironolactone, and an ACE inhibitor. So that can be your prills. So whether you like an allopril or Benazepril, I like I personally, this is just I like Benazepril because it's once a day. Um and so you can get spironolactone and benazapril together, and cardalis, and you basically you're going to dose the cardalis based upon the spironolactone dose that you want, which is ends up being around two MIGs per kg. So for for that spironolactone dose, so that ends up being about two MIGs per kg for spironolactone, and then a quarter mg per kg for the benazapril in that. So,
0: talk, talk to me about Cardalis. Uh, just talk to me about because there's a lot of people who haven't used it yet. Uh, they haven't. They don't have it on their shelf yet. Uh, just, just, just give me a high level sort of overview of Cardalis uh, as a, a medication and and w- when that plays in and and just uh, just the benefits that you see in it.
1: Yeah. So the the benefits that that I see, what is honestly what I tell my owners, backed by studies, which is really nice. Like there are times where you know I have to say there's this strong... Yeah. Hopefully it helps, but I'm I'm not your cardiologist that really likes to do those things. I I love having data behind it. What's nice about Cardalis is it does have that data, and so it just their study showed that if you use the combo of spironolactone and Benazapril together, it was better than Benazapril alone. So a lot of family veterinarians feel like, oh, I know Andrea. We, I know we use the Vet Medin, I know we use the Lasix, and then there'll probably be 50% of them that say, okay, I feel comfortable using the ACE inhibitor. Now I'm hoping that people will feel more comfortable with also layering in the spironolactone. What's nice about the Cardalis is one one pill. And so like Pepita, she would probably get their 20 milligram and 2.5 milligrams, so 20 milligrams of spironolactone, 2.5 of benazepril, And I would probably start around about half a tablet once a day and then they're done with that drug. Um, So it's nice just because you you just have it and you don't have to say, here's two other medications, remembering which one is which and when. Um, And what's nice about it, too, is that that's the actual drug that was studied. So there's a lot to be said about saying, okay, this is what was actually studied versus other combinations and so there's you know that's yeah. when i talk to them about things i'm like if, you, if it's me and my pet i want the one that was studied um and so they've done and then they did all the safety data to show that they're it's a it's i mean it's more than unlikely it's really not going to happen where you're going to worry so much about them becoming hyperkalemic so a lot of people think oh god andrew if i use both of them together, their potassiums going to be nine. It's not going to happen. Like, you know, and so if you are worried because you did pre-limb blood work before you started it and their potassiums like, yeah. I don't know, 5.2. And you're like, oh God, if I get up to six, it's going to be terrible. Right. Then start them at a lower dose and then just recheck them. And because you're going to recheck them anyway because they're in heart failure. So that's, that's what I typically will. That's why I recommend and counsel to... To my owners and when they talk to me about the cost it's a real thing because it is more expensive than you going to you yeah. know the Publix or Harris Teeter pharmacy and picking out the two I'm, I talk to them like well this is what was studied though so it's that's you know if it comes down to it that the cost is a really big deal then okay but I'm going to tell them what I recommend.
0: Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. T- talk to me about monitoring this case. So you said, you know, we, we're going to recheck it. Cool. We're going to follow up because they're in heart failure. What, yeah. do, what does follow up for you look like in a case like this?
1: Yeah. So ideally what I will do if it, you know, if the patient comes to me, when I see them back, I usually see them back somewhere between seven to 10 days after we've kind of started all these medications. Now, the kind of caveat to that is a patient that I'm a little bit worried. so instead of Pepita maybe being 11 with normal renal values, um, she, I feel comfortable going seven to ten days, even a couple of weeks before I recheck her. And what I'm rechecking is just I'm rechecking blood work, so I'm, not, I'm particular, I want to know what her buN, her creatinine, and her electrolytes are doing. Um, the, and I check their blood pressure. So for me, I'm kind of A little bit crazy about checking their blood pressure, but um, I check with a Doppler because I'm making sure that there's no extra workload on that cardiac muscle. So uh, yes, I worry about them getting hypotensive, but I really do worry about them getting hypertensive. And their hypertension is not because they've got heart disease. It is because they can develop just from RAS activation, them them developing hypertension. And then you've got dogs that are 13, 11, that can also have things like cushings, you know, like they have other things. And so I'm making sure that I'm doing everything I can to unload that heart as much as I can. Um, So that's, those are the two things I like to get at is their blood pressure and their, you know, whether you call it a renal panel or, you know, whatever you use at your clinic. Um, If I have a patient that, I worry that their creatinine is like on a little high end of normal. that I, I will see them, you know, five to six days. I won't go like will kind of half that time. I need a good five days for the drugs to actually have their desired, you know, have their desired effect, but also have truly when when they good get good blood concentration. So we know that about five days, especially with the ACE inhibitor, is gonna good be a good landmark for us to be able to say now I can kind of see truly what you're going to be doing with the ACE inhibitor and the spironolactone at that point.
0: Dr. Andrea Erickson, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being here and helping me with this. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you online? Where can they learn more from you?
1: Yeah. So um, if if you just look up um, Skyline Veterinary Specialists in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, because we're a small clinic, if you just hit um, the contact us, it basically goes to me (laughs) (laughs) but you can also it's it's my full name so it's andrea erickson all one basically one word at skyline vet specialist with plural because there's doctor the other dr erickson is with me (laughs) um dot com yeah
0: perfect thank you so much for being here guys thanks for tuning in and that's it. That's our episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, thanks again to Dr. Andrea Erickson for being here and Linear knowledge. Thanks to SEVA Animal Health for sponsoring this and making it possible. Gang, be well. Take it easy. Talk to you soon.